Episode of the Robot Dinner Party. I'm your host, Ben, and I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. I know I did. And best of all, football is back and better than ever. But before we get on with the proceedings, I'd like to take just a moment to have a moment of silence for summer. Summer, ah, that time of beaches, sunshine, hot dogs, and bikinis. Because if there's any two things that obviously go together, it's hot dogs and bikinis. But summer is always, always, always my favorite time of year, especially in Michigan where it's the best season of all. Well, fall gives it a run for some money, but winter comes all too quickly and lasts practically six months out of the year with very little sunshine. So in honor of the passing of summer, here are two seconds of silence. It was painful, wasn't it? I know. I'm sorry, but if I don't give Apollo, the god of the sun, his proper due, then he might not come out again next summer. Shh, just don't tell him that I like his moon goddess sister Artemis better. And speaking of Artemis, I just read a great book called The Immortals, featuring Artemis and Apollo and other gods and goddesses, but primarily Artemis, where these gods and goddesses have been around for thousands of years and modern-day New York City, and also other places around the world. But it primarily takes place in New York City. And yeah, they lead modern lives, there's a murder mystery, and there's all sorts of interplay between how they lose and gain their powers. Of course, there's a lot of Greek mythology mixed in there. I mean, obviously, right? But yeah, it's a really cool book. I'd recommend it if you're the reading type. Get on it. The Immortals. Artemis. Get on it. Now... I don't know about you, but I had a really busy Labor Day weekend. Saturday went on down to East Lansing for the Michigan State versus Bowling Green game. Before the game, I headed down to Southside of Lansing to grab some barbecue at a place called Saddleback Barbecue. It was glorious, glorious barbecue. I had myself a nice smoked brisket sandwich with some coleslaw on top. Tried a couple different of their homemade sauces and... They had some interesting spices that I haven't tasted before, at least in terms of a barbecue sauce, and it was so, so good. I'm going to have to go back. And Grand Rapids, where I live, has plenty of good barbecue places, but this is right up there with the, the best of them. It also made me realize that I've uh, been derelict in my duty of not, uh, not smoking some meat this summer. Now the fall's here, football season's going, I'm going to have to uh, get up early on Saturdays and smoke some meat. But anyway, so back to the story. I headed down to East Lansing for the Michigan State Bowling Green football game. 
Obviously, Bowling Green is not a big school, but it was still kind of nice to see Michigan State not have too much trouble early in the season with a small opponent. In the glory years of 2013, 14, and 15, uh, there were a couple early games where they would have a little bit of trouble putting away a smaller school, even though they ended up winning. Of course, they ended up much, much better as those seasons wore on. But, you know, Michigan State's coming off a 3-9 year in 2016. That was a huge letdown. I'm still not sure exactly what happened. But right now, they've got a lot of youth. They've got a lot of experience in their coaching staff. Hopefully, they can get them back up to uh, at least a respectable record now. Though, until they uh, prove that they fixed some of last year's problems, I'm predicting anywhere between five and seven wins this year. But right now, I'm just excited that football's back. I took my daughter to her first game. She did a pretty good job. She's only four and a half years old. I was like five or six when I went to my first football game. I didn't make it all the way through, and she did. So that's a that's a pretty big deal. She loves football. She loves to say, go green, go white. Heck, she loves it even if she goes to a Nebraska spring game. As long as you give her some popcorn. Hey, it's the important things in life. But man, I just love college football, especially if you go to the game. That college game day atmosphere is incredible. It's so much more potent to me than an NFL Sunday. Uh, especially if you're just sitting at home watching the games. The, the NFL feels so bland and emotionless to me compared to college football. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm not a diehard fan of any NFL franchise. I mean, with the Detroit Lions being the model of futility over the years and only one playoff win ever since the AFL-NFL merger, I mean, I'm not exactly committed to the Lions, but I can't commit to any NFL team. And I'm really glad the Lions have some cheerleaders now, but... For years and years they didn't, and just the college game day experience is so much more vibrant with people emotionally invested, you got the marching bands, you've got the school spirit, it's, uh, both NFL and college are very tribal, but I'd say college is even more tribal. But anyway, in terms of the Big Ten, for the Big Ten East... Ohio State is returning a lot of guys. They were really young last year. I know Penn State's also returning a lot of guys. I mean, I, I definitely see it as a race between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan in the East. Michigan looks like they reloaded on defense. They've got some weapons on offense, but, man, it'll it'll depend on what Wilton Spate can do. He's had a, a bad stretch ever since that Iowa game last year. And I think Michigan will contend along with Penn State and Ohio State, but I think Ohio State's going to take the East again, win the Big Ten, and of course make an appearance in the college football playoff again this year. Hopefully they don't embarrass themselves the way they did against Clemson last time. But I watched a, a little bit of Wisconsin, and I think it was Friday night, either that or Thursday night, doesn't matter. They looked uh, pretty scary. I know they weren't playing anybody big, but uh, they racked up some points and they, they looked good. So this year in the West, I do expect Wisconsin and Nebraska to contend for the Big Ten West. Watched some of Nebraska on Saturday night, too. They're playing Arkansas State and won by either six or seven. Pretty high-scoring game. I still haven't been able to figure out Mike Riley, just how good he is. If I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm a little bit concerned on how they struggled against Arkansas State on defense. But on the other hand, it's the first game. You know, you can struggle in the first game, pull out the win, uh, rally the troops, and get better as the season moves on. And so, yeah, I do expect them to contend along with uh, Wisconsin for the Big Ten West. One thing's for sure, at every Nebraska home game, Larry the Cable Guy is going to be tossing out hot dogs and going, Gear done! 
Actually, I don't know if he does that every single Husker game, but I do know that he did it one game. The hot dog part, anyway. Now, the NFL, their season hasn't quite started yet. We're coming up on it this weekend. I think I've said before that I expect the Detroit Lions to go 3-13 and this year. They just gave Matthew Stafford a huge contract, the biggest in NFL history, for $27 million a year. Now, supposedly the Lions have the cap space to do that. Is he worth $27 million a year and being the highest paid NFL player ever? No, in a vacuum, of course he's not. He's not Tom Brady, he's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, people in Michigan like to say that Stafford's possibly a top 5 quarterback, for sure a top 10 quarterback. I'm of the opinion that he might be a top 10 quarterback, maybe not, he's not that great. He's certainly the best the Lions have ever had, and for the most part he's been surrounded by a terrible team the whole time. I mean, bad offensive line, never having a running back. On the other hand, he's had a Hall of Fame receiver for most of his career with the Lions. And it's not that I'm saying that Stafford is a bad quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He's just, he's not the best, so he's not deserving of the biggest contract in NFL history. And I know that's just how it works. Somehow, the agents have rigged it for themselves so that in order for an NFL team to have any chance at getting or keeping an NFL quarterback that's worth anything, they've got to pony up more and more and more for each contract extension, and each contract ends up being bigger than the last. It's so incredibly stupid. So yeah, the Lions probably did have to pony up 27 mil a year to keep Matthew Stafford. I still don't think he's worth it, but um, hopefully it doesn't end up uh, hampering their ability to sign some more talent around Stafford, especially on the offensive line and the defense. I mean, hey, the Steelers are only giving Le'Veon Bell a franchise offer this year. They won't give him what he wants in terms of guaranteed money for a longer-term deal. What if he ends up leaving the Steelers after this year because of that in free agency, and uh, the Lions end up having an opportunity to sign him, but they, oh, they don't have the money because of the Stafford contract. I don't know. I don't want to see that happen. I'd love to have Le'Veon Bell on my team. Definitely my favorite running back right now. I mean, obviously he's a former Spartan. But yeah, I don't blame him one bit for trying to get more guaranteed money. Those running backs have a shorter career compared to other players. They put their bodies through a hell of a lot, and running backs are kind of getting shortchanged in the contract game, and I don't blame him for wanting some guaranteed money and getting a lot of it for being the best back in the league right now. I thought that was a pretty savvy move to stay out of training camp until uh, until right before the regular season starts here. Of course, without any games, all the news we have to go on still is contract talks and uh, NFL discipline for players. Of course, the biggest one going on right now is Ezekiel Elliott. Get himself into trouble for allegedly beating up his girlfriend. Prosecutors uh, didn't see enough evidence there to charge him. NFL went ahead and decided that after a year or more long investigation, they decided they were going to suspend him six games because apparently our criminal justice system isn't enough. The NFL has to also be their own criminal justice system. And apparently there's some conflict between what the report says or if it even comes to a conclusion and one of the investigators recommending that he not be suspended. I've read about some of the evidence that they have and it looks like a really messed up situation that he got himself into with that woman in the first place. There may be some crazy stuff going on there that's uh, 
not completely true, but taking a look at the mountain of allegations against him and some of the photographic evidence, it just seems from a layman's perspective more likely than not that he laid his hands on her at some point, whether it was all of those times, who knows, but it's probably more likely than not that he did lay his hands on her uh, at least once. And of course that's not enough to get somebody prosecuted in a criminal court of law, but obviously that's not something for me to decide. But since the public talks about it so much, and everybody has an opinion, I mean, to me it seems like, yeah, he should have uh, some sort of discipline. He's got to get his life straight and just focus on being a professional. You know, he's had some other incidents since then, one on video, one where witnesses refused to come forward. And of course you get the feeling that even though the NFL says that they based that six-game suspension just on that one previous event, um, it really feels like they've kind of piled it on for some of the more recent allegations. It really does feel like that's what's going on to me, that they're just taking in the entirety of the circumstances uh, that they've seen in the news and just suspended him uh, for that. But as we know from the Tom Brady Deflategate investigation, the NFL isn't particularly good at investigating and coming to conclusions based on rational uh, analysis. You know, it just seems to all be, what does Roger Goodell feel like? What, what does he feel like is right for the public to hear at this point in time? Do they want that strong six-game suspension, no matter what the facts and the analysis say? So, of course, Ezekiel Elliott's uh, legal team has been appealing the six-game suspension. An arbitrator just upheld it, and of course, they took it to a district court to, uh, try to get a temporary restraining order, and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, like I said, personally, I feel like he deserves some sort of discipline, maybe a two-game suspension, but I just continue to be pissed off at the NFL over their kangaroo court system, where at least the appearances, the they, without regard to facts and analysis, just decide what they think the average Joe, who's mentally out for blood, wants to hear about how the NFL is being tough on players. Protect the shield. And then in reality, every single time the NFL just continues to look like idiots for having a shoddy process leading up to their uh, discipline announcements. But the long and short of it is that I'm just kind of tired of having a whole off-season of contract and player discipline stories. I'm ready for the actual football to begin. Not ready for fantasy football to begin. Kind of regret signing up for that for yet another year, just throwing 25 bucks away. But the actual games, yes. Especially when we get into November and December, and we get some of these northern teams playing in some snow, freezing cold wind. Those are the ones I love the best. Packers, Bears, New England, Denver. Mm, that's some good shit right there. But anyway, so yeah, on Saturday I went to the Michigan State game. And then on Sunday we had no idea what we were going to do, and it's getting to be around noon. We did some brunch, we're just sitting around. All of a sudden we decide we're going up north to the upper peninsula of Michigan. So we grabbed our camera, grabbed some snacks, and hit the road. Now one thing I'm going to tell you right here is if you ever decide to go on a uh, spur of the moment epic road trip, Make sure you take that just extra 10 minutes to grab that extra pair of clothes and underwear 
and whatever things like contact lens solution that you're going to need. Because even if getting that stuff together feels like it's delaying your trip, you're going to end up having to stop at the store along the way to get those things anyway. And it's going to take even longer. So take just that extra 10 minutes like we didn't and get that out of the way. It's going to save you at least 100 bucks. So anyway, we hit the road. We traveled for three and a half hours, maybe a little more with a couple extra stops to get on up to the Mackinac Bridge. And ladies and gentlemen, the Mackinac Bridge is glorious. It used to be the largest bridge in the world. I think it's about five miles long. It spans the lower and upper peninsula of Michigan. On the west side is Lake Michigan. On the east side is Lake Huron. And of course they meet underneath the bridge. I don't remember exactly when it was built, probably in the 30s or 40s or something like that. And there's been at least one bridge that's longer that's been built since then, but it's still very impressive. It's cool to get out uh, right before you cross the bridge and go down, touch the water, maybe sit there for a while taking the scenery, take some pictures. And right there before you cross the bridge too is Mackinac City, and they have a, a nice area full of fudge shops and um, touristy stores, places to eat. Uh, it's a it's a nice little area that's not unlike the uh, Jersey Shore boardwalk. We got up to the bridge Sunday night, stayed the night in St. Ignace, which is on the other side in uh, the Lower Peninsula. We stayed in a hotel in St. Ignace that was right on the water, and we had a second floor balcony overlooking the water. And we opened up that uh, balcony door, pulled back those curtains. You can see Lake Huron right there, and right across from our hotel across the water, Mackinac Island. And if you don't know about Mackinac Island, it's a gorgeous historical island. It was a, a big fur trading and also military uh, fort in the 16 and 1700s. Uh, very, very important for controlling the Michigan territories and the Great Lakes uh, between the Americans and the British and the Canadians. And we didn't actually go on to the island this time. To get there, you obviously take a ferry. And we saw the ferries going back and forth outside of our hotel window. If you do go there, there's Fort Mackinac on the island that you can tour. And if I recall correctly, there's people in period costume around the fort. You've got the Grand Mackinac Hotel, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous building that I think was built in the early 1800s. Of course, you've got lots of scenery. There's an arch rock that you can see right on the water. There's, you know, touristy shops, fudge, um, historical-themed shops and restaurants to go into. And there are no cars on the island. You get around, you go by foot, by bike, or by horse. And of course, by horse, that means <laughs> in the streets, yeah, there's there's some horse shit. And so horse shit aside, it's a beautiful, beautiful island. I loved being able to see it from our hotel. I loved being able to see the Straits of Mackinac under the moonlight. It was almost a full moon. We got some pasties while we were in St. Ignace, which if you don't know, it's almost like a big pocket of pie crust that's filled with beef and potatoes and rutabaga and carrots, sometimes onions, sometimes different spices, and um, it's, it's delicious. It is a long-time Upper Peninsula staple from the days of the uh, fur traders and the loggers and the copper miners, too. So we ate our pasties Sunday night, enjoyed our stay in the Straits of Mackinac, and then in the morning we headed up even further north uh, for the northern coast of the Upper Peninsula on Lake Superior. We went up to uh, Munising and the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. 
And the drive through the Upper Peninsula to get to the northern coast is just mind-bogglingly gorgeous. If you take the highway that goes first along Lake Michigan on the southern coast of the Upper Peninsula and then head north, uh, you get to see the lake for quite a while. The whole way, there are so many trees you wouldn't believe. I saw ravens everywhere, which is not something we have in the Lower Peninsula. You just have their little cousins, the crows. The Upper Peninsula just feels like a spiritual place to be, man. Civilization is few and far between, and so much of it is covered in national forest. We were going along the Hiawatha National Forest uh, until we got up towards the Pictured Rocks area. And like I said, Pictured Rocks is a national lakeshore that's a national park. Even if you see pictures of it, it just doesn't do it justice. you got to experience it firsthand to really take in that beauty, breathe that fresh lake air. And I had almost gone up to the Pictured Rocks over Memorial Day weekend. I had regretted not going, so I was so glad that I got up there over Labor Day. And the drive back was brutal because that was closer to six or seven hours without stopping to stay anywhere along the way. But the UP is an interesting place. The people up there are called Upers. Like I said, they eat pasties. Obviously not exclusively. I mean, they're basically Canadian. They drink a lot of beer. Their accents often sound very similar to either Canadians or Minnesotans. One place we stopped on the way to get some frozen pasties to take back with us, uh, the lady dropped the frozen ones. She's like, oh, it's a good thing I dropped the frozen ones. They're rock hard. She may as well have thrown an A on the end like the Canadians as youpers are also known to do. But, this isn't coming from a place of hate. I appreciate. I appreciate, eh? Anyway, as you can imagine, getting home super late on Monday night, waking up to go to work the next morning on Tuesday was kind of brutal. But I had a great time, and I can't wait to go back again as long as it's still summer or fall. In terms of pop culture, TV, and movies, about the only TV I've been watching lately was Game of Thrones. There were definitely some epic parts of that season, but you can also tell that they don't have George R. R. Martin's writing to go by to fill out that story and make it more in-depth. So now I just can't wait for the last season to come. It feels like it's going to take forever, and I don't even know exactly when it's coming. I just hope that they don't spend too much of the last season on fighting the White Walkers. I hope that takes no more than, like, three episodes, because... The Game of Thrones is, is really where the action and the uh, intrigue is at. But I also think I had said before that I was going to just consider the end of the TV series the definitive ending to a Game of Thrones, and I think I've changed my mind on that since they uh, are so far beyond where Martin's writing was and they're kind of making a bunch of things up as they go along. I want to see what he has to say about what the ending is, and I also want to have a lot more of those details filled in. Of course, that's if he ever even finishes Winds of Winter, which is highly doubtful. Haven't even seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet. The only movie I've seen recently was Atomic Blonde, and I loved that, starring Charlize Theron. It also has James McAvoy in it. Now, Charlize plays an American spy in Berlin in the 1980s, right before the fall of the Berlin Wall. So a lot of it takes place, actually, in East Berlin. And the amount of detail that they go into to make it feel like actual 1989 Berlin, it's awesome. And the action is awesome. Charlize could actually play Bond, I think. Her lover in the movie is a woman, played by Sofia Butella. It has a great soundtrack and great acting. All-around fun movie to go to. In fact, it might even be my favorite movie experience so far this year. I don't know. 
it's hard to beat Wonder Woman. Regardless, I don't have anything else to talk about. So with a Hurricane Irma bearing down on Florida, I hope everybody down there stays safe. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day, and I hope everybody has a great upcoming weekend. For the Robot Dinner Party, this is your host, Ben, signing off and saying keep those circuits lubed.